What's going on, 11 o'clock? How are you? Cool. This section's doing pretty good. A little concerned for this section. This section as well. How are we doing, 11 o'clock? We okay? All right. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Now that's better. That's awesome. So last week we started uh, the book of 1 John, right? Pastor Corey kind of gave us an overview. We, he went through the first chapter, and uh, man, we learned some, when, some really great stuff on 1 John. Uh, we're going to continue uh, in 2 John today. Hey, before, um, I'll tell you, I've, I've told this story at every service. I don't, I don't really know why I'm telling it. It's, uh, it's kind of embarrassing, actually. Um, so my wife cuts my hair. That's not the embarrassing part. Although, if you don't like my haircut, you can blame Tammy. But <clears throat> so at the end, she's cut, you know, she grabs my face, and she's looking really closely, and she's like brushing the, you know, the hairs off. She's like, oh my goodness, that eyebrow hair is like an inch long. It's, you know, because when you get old, like you start growing hair out of your ears and your nose and your eyebrows and everything. And you know, so I'm like, well, babe, you know, I'll, I'll just go pluck it, you know, in the, in the bathroom or whatever. I start plucking my eyebrows because that's what I do, I guess, now. And like three or four in, I'm crying. I, this, her, how, women, seriously, how do you do this? It's insane. That pain is terrible. I don't know how you do it. I have a lot more respect for women uh, today than I did the other day when I, oh my goodness, it was crazy. So again, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why I tell, the, although I think most of you know I'm the oldest on the team here, right? I'm, I'm like, I've taken our curve way up um, from like our average age, but anybody over the age of 50 here today? <laughs> But, so all the 50-year-olds, you know, they just raise their hand. They don't. Those of you who are like, woohoo, you're not 50. <laughs> I, I know better. Because <laughs> 50-year-olds were like, yes. I'm over 50. Anyway, <clears throat> we should probably move on. So the overview of, of uh, 1 John, it's written to believers, right? It's written to followers of Jesus Christ and Christ in regards to what obedience looks like. When we're obedient to Christ, we have fellowship. That first verse, uh, first chapter rather, tells us we have fellowship with one another and we have fellowship with God the Father. We have joy. That brings joy. When we have fellowship with each other and we have fellowship with the Lord, man, that brings us a lot of joy. We also don't continue in sin, right? But Pastor Corey read that for us last year, uh, last year, it's been a long week. Last week, like if we do sin, right, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Wow, that's, that's great news. But we don't, as followers of Jesus, we don't continue in sin. We have right doctrine and good teaching, right? That's why at the experience we go, you know, book, uh, we take a book of the Bible, we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and kind of break it down. And then First John will tell us that we have assurance of salvation. It was written by one of the original disciples. This guy, John, walked with Jesus. Uh, he was one of the original 12, pretty cool. Um, he also wrote the, the gospel according to John. So right, the, one, that's the synoptic gospels, that's a churchy word, but those Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the Old Testament, he wrote John. And he also wrote first, second, and third John. So it's way in the back of the Bible, if you have your Bibles with us, and 
are with you this morning, you want to follow along, it's way back. It's first, second, third John, Jude, and Revelation. So the pastor Corey made this bold statement last week. It's impossible to love God and love others apart from the Holy Spirit. True. It's, a, it's impossible to love them rightly. It's impossible to love them correctly. And a huge part of this second chapter he covered uh, last week as well, this is how we know that we know we know Jesus, right? If we love God and obey his commands. And I'm, I'm not talking about perfection here. This is not talking about being perfect. This is about having a bent toward righteousness. This is about having a, a daily walk with Jesus that, that is about repentance, right? That is about making sure we're following the steps that Christ has laid out for us, that we're holding fast to correct teachings and the good doctrine. And 1 John really is incredibly relevant, uh, relevant today. It's incredibly relevant. We're going to learn that. And it also helps us focus on whether or not we're, we're truly converted. It's not, more, not so much about the world, but about ourselves. Because there's a lot of vague spirituality these days. Are you with me? Like, you can, you can say God anywhere because there are a, a lot of little gods, right? But man, when you say Jesus, then I, I really know, right? Then, then I'm aware. Then I know, like, hey, we're talking about Jesus, the Son of God. So we need, to, we need to mature in our faith. We need to keep growing in our faith. And if we don't, we need to watch out because we can be deceived. So growing in our faith helps us to grow in confidence, all right? So... I'm going to pray, and we're going to move forward and, and try to break this down the best I can. All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this time of worship we've spent in song, Lord, and um, I just praise you and thank you for the body of Christ, how we are encouraged when we're in your presence, Lord, and, and knowing that we can be in your presence when we leave this place at any time, at any moment, we're always in it. Where can we go but... We can't go anywhere we're away from your spirit, oh God. So, but there's something special about coming together as the body of Christ and just exalting and lifting your name. Thank you for that. Lord, we pray your blessings upon today. We, we want to hear from you, Lord. I, just use me, God, as a vessel this morning. May you and you alone be glorified. Father, may all of our affections be for you and you alone, oh God. Jesus, bless all our, the nonprofits in our community. Bless every church in this community, the, the state, the nation, the world, God, who would exalt and lift up the name of Jesus Christ in him alone. Bless them, Lord. It's in the strong name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. So this first part. Again, we're starting 1 John 2. If you, if you have the, uh, the app, you can follow along there. The sermon notes are in there. If you don't, maybe you have a handout. Um, if you don't, you have your Bible, that's fine. If you don't have any of that stuff, uh, you can just listen, um, and I'll read it to you, all right? But it, the app and the notes have most of what I'm going to say there. We're starting at verse 12, because Pastor Corey covered through uh, 1 John 2, verse 11. So here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Some of the questions I'll ask today are rhetorical. Some aren't. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's good. That one's not. Here we go. I am writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. 
I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God, God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. So it looks as though John is addressing what seems to be three different sets of readers, right? Children, fathers, and young men, right? And the possible scenarios, if you read commentaries or your study Bibles, the possible scenarios is that he's trying to delineate either between you know, uh, spiritual maturity, maturity or chronological age. Because he actually uses two or three different times in there in the text, and it looks like he's speaking to three different sets of people, like young people who are in their faith, and middle-aged people who are in their faith, and then older people in their faith. But that's not the case. He's really making a delineation between someone who has just become a follower of Jesus and someone who's been a follower of Jesus for a long time, right? So it's kind of really a, a one-size-fits-all kind of title because he later refers to us as little children. So I want you to understand that these are, these are Christians. Again, this is written to believers. They're all believers. He says, since your sins have been forgiven. And later in the chapter, we'll read, he addresses us all as little children or as children. So, but I get, I get that it can be somewhat confusing because of where he placed the fathers in there is kind of out of sequence. But what I want you to walk away with from this first little section today is that it's written to all believers, all right? It's all inclusive. inclusive. He's speaking to followers of Jesus, some of which who are simply further along in their journey. And truly, uh, we all need to be growing, right? We all should be growing in our faith. I mean, we shouldn't look the same next year as we look this year, we ought to be maturing, becoming, you know, young men and young women in the faith, ultimately spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith. We should be actually in discipling relationships. Would you agree with that? I mean, we should be like, we should be able to meet with a, a, a life group or maybe one-on-one -on -one with somebody who's maybe a little further along in their journey and they're pouring into us. Or we should be meeting with somebody who's maybe not as far along or both. We're meeting with somebody who's not as far along. We're kind of helping them. We're meeting somebody who's a little further along and they're helping us, right? Because some of what John writes in this book is tough. And we need to learn. But John wants us to know and he wants us to understand that we can be confident in our salvation. Because there's a test of truth in here, right? It says, once you have conquered the evil one. So these, these are those people who have experienced forgiveness and victory in the spiritual battle, right? That day-to-day, -day, well, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Because at the beginning of the chapter, what Pastor Corey covered last week, he points out that we're supposed to love God and our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're supposed to do that. But you and I know that we're supposed to love God and everyone, right? Because we have the gospel according to John. And that's really the summation of the gospel when Jesus was asked by the Pharisees, hey, what are the two greatest commandments? He said, well, it's to love God and love others, right? That's really the summation of the gospel, and that's really the, the acid test of a Christian. If we're, if we're growing, we ought to be, it, it should be simpler to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we should be able to love those around us. Now he's about to give us a warning. Right? So let's go next part. Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. So there's a new danger here in loving the world, right? But wait, this, this, is this a little confusing? Anybody else confused? It's, I don't think John is meaning to confuse us, but he just told us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, but, and now, like, don't love the world, right? And we, you and I know John 3.16, right? The, the, the other book that, that John wrote. If you've ever watched an NFL game, you've seen the poster in the end zone, you know, John 3.16. We could probably all quote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. Right, we, we've heard that verse. And that, listen, that's why context is so important, right? Because he's not talking about humanity here. He's talking about the things of this world. He's not talking about that. We can't, context is so important in scriptures. Too often we as Christians will just pluck things out of context to make it fit like kind of what we want it to fit. We have a problem doing that as Christians. We'll just pluck a scripture out of context. Well, it says this or it says that, and we've taken it completely out of context, and, and that's really, that's dangerous. So we can't do that. And John isn't referring to humanity at all here. He's referring to the things of this world. In fact, James, the brother of Jesus, says friendship with the world is hostility toward God. And John kind of goes further here. He mentions Three specific problems, right? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride in our possessions. And man, I understand, you know, what he's talking about that, because we, we, we see so many things that this world has to offer, but they don't last. I mean, we think, we think we'll be happy with the, the next phone, right? Well, man, so-and-so's got the new iPhone, so I, I kind of need the new iPhone. And, and then they come out with a better camera, and oh, I got to get that one, or, you know, I want to... I want a better car or I want a truck. Right now, I want a truck, right? I, I can have these problems too. When my lust of the eyes, that, that fancy new truck, you know, I want that new truck. I keep saying new truck. I don't have a truck. I just want a truck maybe. <laughs> but so I have a problem too with it, and I understand we can, we can all get caught up in that within the pride of our possessions with the lust of our eyes, but we, don't, we need to be careful with that. It's, and please hear me this morning. I don't want you to think that there's a problem with buying nice things. It's when we're so willing to give up on eternal things, the things for the things that are temporary. When we start to embrace this idea that we have to have the newest, the biggest, the best, then it's a problem. You with me? Then it's a problem. Man, and John hits this. Like, does he know us or what? It's as if it's as if he wrote this yesterday to us, and it wasn't a couple thousand years ago. In fact, it's as if the Bible is living and active and still speaking to us today. I hope you're picking up on my sarcasm because I'm laying it on pretty thick, right? It's as if it's alive and active. It is. Everything on the list he talks about is temporary. Everything on that list. And man, people haven't changed. People don't change. We haven't changed in a couple thousand years. We're so, we're so willing to give up on the eternal for things that are temporary. I, I, wish, I wish I 
could have printed like just literally hundreds of stickers with the word temporary emblazoned on them. So I could just walk around putting stickers on everything you see, all the table, everything that you see, the chairs, the car that you rode, the phone that you have in your pocket, all of the things that you see, these physical things, they're just temporary. And we're so willing to give those up because we're running so hard after the things of this world instead of the eternal. And Paul says in Philippians 4.12, I've learned the secret of being content. I have learned the secret, right? Whether I have a lot of things or whether I have just a few things, I have learned this secret of being content because those things that are temporary are not long-lasting. They're not going to give me joy. They're not going to bring me the happiness. In fact, they're simply worldly desires. The reason we don't love the world is because the things of this world, the scripture tells us, are opposed to God. And our cravings and desires draw us away from God. In fact, James, again, the brother of Jesus says that sin gives birth in our own lives when at first we are drawn away. We're drawn away by our own evil desires. See, when we live for just getting our own way or to buy everything we want and we think that's going to bring us happiness and that's going to bring us joy, and we start to compare ourselves to others, right? Because my neighbor, he got a new boat. I want a new boat. He got a boat, I want a boat. Two best days in a man's life when he buys his boat, when he sells his boat. <laughs> but these, these worldly desires, right? We, we, we finally come to the realization here that we're not, we're not living for God, we're actually living for the world. We're kind of just pushing God out. We're kind of squeezing him out of our lives. And guys, it's not easy. I get that. I understand it. I just confessed to you that I, I want this truck, you know, eventually, maybe. And I'm not against things. It's just when we have to have those things. It's not easy, but we have to learn to fight against our natural, our human nature, our tendencies, our, our nature and our tendencies. And truly, the foolishness of it all is we're not taking it with us anyway, right? Dad joke warning, I, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse, right? <laughs> I know it's a really bad dad joke, really bad. I've got tons of them. <laughs> I'm here all weekend. But you get the point, right? We can't live for the temporary things, these worldly desires. We're not taking it with us. All right, let's start with verse 18. Here we go. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now... Many antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son 
has the Father as well. So the, the meaning isn't, here isn't really that John thought they only had one hour, right? That, that's not the meaning here. The, the reference, the meaning is really that as followers of Jesus Christ, we should live with urgency that he's coming again, right? That his imminent return could be today, could be now. In fact, we're supposed to live as Christians as though he's coming, aren't we? We're supposed to, aren't we? We're supposed to live each and every moment of our life. I gotta confess to you, I don't, I'm not that great at it. But we're supposed to live in such a way as that we know he's coming and it could be today. And, and in verse 19, we get, this, we get the gist of there's this schism in the church, right? Because some are walking away. Some of these people are walking away and they think of themselves as the true followers of Christ. And the text calls them antichrists. Pretty strong language. That's pretty strong language because I think, you know, the way most of us think is like, well, we think the Antichrist is somebody who's like getting rid of whole, you know, generations or sects of people, you know, like, like Hitler or Stalin or, you know, Jim Jones, people like that. I mean, I think we tend to think of people like those, but that's, that's not what the text says. John says anyone who denies Jesus as the Messiah, anyone who denies Jesus as the Son of God is the Antichrist. Well, now that's hitting close to home, isn't it? Now we've got to be careful of what we believe in and who we're listening to and what religion and denomination. That's why at the experience, we always say we major on the majors here and minor on the minors. We don't want people, we don't want people walking away on a minor issue, right, from a minor issue. But there are those things that are non-negotiable in our faith. The major issues, the deity of Christ, you know, that the Trinity, these, the, that Jesus is the Son of God. That's a major issue. We don't want people walking away from minor issues, but we've got to understand and have good theology and doctrine about some. Because otherwise, guys, we're going to be deceived. Just like these people were. We're going to be deceived. And some of these people were walking away from the authentic teaching, this gospel of... And guys, this is the Gnosticism of their day. Gnosticism just meaning that they thought they had a secret knowledge, right? That they had, to have, they had to obtain this secret knowledge to be a real, true follower of Jesus Christ. And if you didn't have this secret knowledge, then you weren't a follower of Christ at all. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what the disciples taught. That's not what Jesus himself taught. Jesus said, I am the way. That's clarity. So their beliefs weren't even in line with who Jesus was. You see that as an issue still today? Man, I do. We're a generation who, who kind of wants Jesus and, right? Jesus and, you know, whatever it is, the culture kind of, we kind of value in culture. You know, we, we, we just want a simpler Jesus who you know, we can get in line with. Most of us want to worship a Jesus who looks a lot like we do. I mean, we don't really want to sacrifice, you know, um, or take up our cross even once in a while, much less daily. I mean, that kind of, that kind of wrecks me, you know. I, I, don't want, I don't really want to do that. I don't, we're more looking for a Jesus who's made in our image. That's a Jesus I can get on board with, Greg. 
Yeah, that's, that's a Jesus who's a little more palatable, right? That's a Jesus who, who's not really going to ask me to change. He's not really going to ask me to do anything differently. He's not really going to ask me to invest in people or others or some mission, right? That's a Jesus I can get on board with because you and I, man, we're in this new society, a society in which we embrace all these, these values and ideas that are just common in our culture. Hey, whatever's next, man, whatever's next, right? Our American dream is, is kind of dominated by this self-advancement and self-esteem and self-sufficiency and individualism and like I'm trying to find my own identity and materialism or universalism, whatever it happens to be. And we're deceived by those things when we think it's Jesus and. And we open ourselves up to deception because we don't know the word. And that's exactly what these antichrists had done. They thought it was Jesus and, something else. Guys, the only way we can prevent deception is to know the word. Is to know the word. So, Greg, are you, are you t- I mean, were they deceived or maybe they're just confused? I mean, you talked about confusion earlier. No, listen, we talked about confusion earlier. This isn't confusion at all. This is direct disobedience. This is adding something to the gospel. Paul told Timothy to hold on to the faith. Otherwise, some are going to walk away from the faith and suffer shipwreck, right? Shipwreck of their faith. They've walked away from it. And I realize there are those you know, maybe some of you even here who would think, well, I'm a Christian and I can't lose my salvation. The truth is, I think you're right. I do. I think you're right. But there's a difference between losing something and throwing something away. Are you still with me? See, there's a difference. When we throw something away, it's because we're done with it. When we see the implication that when we throw something away, it's, it's lost its usefulness to us. We don't want it anymore. It's not working for me. That's throwing something away. We throw something away. We don't care about it anymore. We just discard it, and it ends up on a waste management truck in a landfill somewhere. There's a difference, friends, between losing something and throwing something away, because losing something implies accidental. And I don't believe you can accidentally lose your salvation, especially, really, especially when you're walking with Jesus and you're doing the things that 1 John is telling us to do. If we're walking in the light as he gives us the light, the blood of his son, this is the first chapter, purifies us from all sin. Well, there's a, if we're walking in the light, well, there's the, it's an if, right? There's the whole qualifier, There's a difference between losing, and it's really, honestly, it's the wrong question. It's just the wrong question. If you're living for God, if you're in the word, if you're in community, if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. And just just so we know, adding more rules is not the answer, right? We... We can put more rules and safeguards in place. We can do that. Hey, don't, you know, don't go to movies, don't dance, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't go with girls who do, you know? We can, <laughs> we can do, don't listen to secular music, and some churches do that, right? And 
don't leave here thinking that I, you know, if safeguards are okay, right? Safeguards might be a good thing. And I'm not against churches who have safeguards. Don't get me wrong. But they, they don't address the real issue. Safeguards and rules don't address the real issue. And that's a heart issue. But hear me today also, if you need safeguards, put them in place. Put them in place. I'm not saying that they're a bad thing. I'm just saying the real issue is a heart issue because it would be possible to do all of these things, right, and still be prideful. It would be possible to do all these things, would it not, and still be hateful. We can do good things and have real issues, but verse 20 says, you, follower of Jesus, you have the anointing from the Holy One. Well, that ought to make a difference. <laughs> I mean, that... If we're a follower of Jesus Christ, that should make, we have the anointing of the Holy One. That should make a difference. John 14 in the Gospel according to John says, the Spirit will teach you all things. Man, that ought to make a difference in our lives. That ought to cause us to look a whole lot more like Jesus each and every day. Because the distinctives of Christianity aren't just things. It's not just doing good things. Christ-likeness isn't just a matter of do's and don'ts. It's a matter of the attitude and heart. It's a matter of a relationship with Jesus. In fact, Paul said in Philippians, our attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Don't you think that the anointing from the Holy One should make a difference in our lives? So I have a question for you, and I'm going to tell you, before I ask you this question, to be careful, okay? It's not a trick question. It's just a tough question. Would you agree with me that an encounter with Jesus, would you agree with me that an encounter with the living God will absolutely change your life, yes or no? Some of you are afraid to answer because I told you, I warned you. I agree with you. I think an encounter with Jesus will absolutely change your life. So it's the second question that's really tough. Then why do we see Christians one year, two year, five, 25 years looking and acting the exact same they were before Christ? See, that's a problem. That's a problem. I, I don't want to look the same. I don't want to act the same as I did before Jesus. I don't want to look the same next year as I look this year. I don't want to still be struggling with the same things I'm struggling with. I already told you. I have the lust of the eyes too. I have the case of I want. I don't want to be struggling the same way next year. That, if you agree with me, there should be a marked difference between the life of a Christian from one year to the next. Would you agree? There should be a remarkable difference, a visible difference in a Christian from one year to the next, albeit sometimes maybe it's small, but sometimes it's mammoth. Sometimes it's a huge difference because God has given us the victory over that battle that we were fighting in the evil one we talked about earlier. There should be a marked difference in our lives from year to year because we have the anointing of the Holy One. 
not because of who we are. Last part. Starting at verse 24. So what you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us eternal life. I have written these things to you. There it is again, right? This is why he's writing. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as he has taught you, or as it has taught you, remain in him. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have what? Confidence. So that when he appears, we may have what? Confidence. And not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does right, what is right has been born of him. Friends, Christians need to have confidence by the promised empowering and indwelling of the Holy Spirit. John has said it so many times. I write these to you, young men. I write these things to you, young fathers. I write these things. I've written these things to you. He's said it so many times. I'm writing this to you, follower of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit remains in you. Luke wrote the book of Acts in Acts 1.8. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses right? You will receive power. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. New creation. This is a new person. It's not even the same person. James, the brother of Jesus, told us to ask for wisdom. And God, who will generously give us that wisdom. Paul prays for our spiritual insight in the book of Ephesians. The writer of the Roman church reminds us not to be conformed to any of the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Friends, all of those things by the indwelling, empowering promise of the Holy Spirit. That should be good news for us today. And John is writing to us so we know. He says in John, the Gospel of John, right? When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. there's a problem. (laughs) There's always a problem. See, the problem is there's always going to be something that's pulling you or me, pulling us in another direction. If we're not in a battle where we're overcoming the deception of the evil one, listen, maybe it's me. Maybe it's us. If we're, not being, if we're not in a battle where we're overcoming evil from, the evil, evil from the evil one, then maybe it's us. Maybe I'm not maturing in my faith. Maybe I'm not connected enough. Maybe I'm running too hard after the things of this world. If we are not saturating ourselves in the word of God, we are opening ourselves up to deception. It's exactly what happened to the others that they're talking about in 1 John. We don't have to be deceived. 
as a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is in us. But we can be so easily, if we're not saturating ourselves, if we're not in the Word, if we're not connected, if we're not in community, if we're not praying, if we're not doing these things, the first John is telling us we could be dece deceived into thinking Jesus isn't enough. And we talked about it earlier that there's some Jesus and mentality. I got, it's, there's got to be more. Guys, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And John reminds us as followers of Christ, you have the anointing of the Holy One. The Spirit of Christ lives in you. So remain in him. He remains in you. Remain in him. Man, what are you fixing your eyes on this morning? Yeah, this world has a lot to offer. I'll grant you that. A lot of things buy for my attention day by day, week by week. They're just all temporary. They have nothing to do with the eternal. Are you running so hard after the things of this world that you've lost sight of the eternal? Are we running so hard into the things of this world that we think are gonna bring us happiness, that we think are gonna bring us joy, that we've lost sight of what the eternal. Paul said, I have learned to be content. Whether I have a lot of things or a little, I have learned. Man, guys, we are just passing through. This world is temporary. I don't have to tell you that. The Bible says we're like a mist here today and gone tomorrow. We have to fight against our natural inclination. In fact, I will tell you, I will promise you, the Holy Spirit can absolutely change your natural inclination if you will allow him. And we don't have to fight as hard anymore if we'll just be surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit. Part of that last verse we read, John said, when Christ appears, we need to have confidence. We all said it, and not be ashamed. Jesus came to you in this moment, would you be ashamed? Probably not in this moment, you're in church. What about last night when you're on the computer looking at something you shouldn't be? What about uh, last week when you had a fight with the spouse? Would you be ashamed? What about when you took something from work you knew wasn't yours, but everybody does it? Would you be ashamed? We can have confidence and not be ashamed. Are you looking for Jesus and? Guys, the Bible gives perfect clarity in a deceiving, deceptive culture. Hear me this morning. I am not against culture. I don't have a problem with culture. What I have a problem with is Christians who adapt to culture. I have a problem when Christians look so much like the world. We ought to be the change agents in culture. We ought to bring change to culture instead of culture bringing change to us as Christians. That's where the difference should be. I don't have a problem with culture, and the Bible gives perfect clarity 
in a very deceptive culture. How do we know that? How do we do that? Read the word. If I've said it once, I've said it a dozen times this morning. Read the word. Jesus is enough. You don't have to be deceived. You can absolutely have assurance of your salvation. You can know that you know that you know you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Greg, I, I, I still don't get it. Okay, all right. Let's bullet point this bad boy. First John answers that question. Love God. First thing, love God. All right, go further. Okay. Start a relationship with him. Love God. Start to pray. Read the word. You knew that one was coming, right? Read the word. Get to know him. Pray. I'll tell you, one of the things, I've been a Christian a long, long time. But God impressed upon me at the beginning of this year, I was, God, what's next for me? And he says, you know what? You, pr you talk too much in prayer. I was a little offended. But, <laughs> but prayer is a dialogue, right? So I spend time, you know, with my laundry list, and I'm just going down, Father, be with these people. I'm some, of, some of you, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for people and praying for others, praying that God's will would be accomplished. And, and he impressed upon me that I need to listen more. Maybe, just, just maybe, the God of the universe would have something to say to me. Love God, read the word, pray, love others. I'm just bullet pointing it for you. Love others. What's that look like, Greg? Okay. Get in community. Get in community. Serve here. Serve outside these four walls. Well, I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know what to do. I don't know what my next step is. Go to the connections corner. Don't leave here without going to the connections corner. Take a class. Man, we offer them. They're starting up again next month. Take, take authentic discipleship. Take following Jesus. Following Jesus is so good. That'll get you grounded in theology and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's such a great class. Like, well, I've already taken that one. Take authentic discipleship. I've already taken that one. Or I don't know if I'm there yet. Take financial peace. I don't care. Get involved in a life group. Just mature in your faith. Move forward in your faith. Love God. Love others. Get in community. When we do that, we'll learn to believe the truth. We'll have fellowship with one another and with God. We'll have joy. We won't continue in sin. We learned if we do, we have an advocate. And we will have absolute assurance of our salvation. Assurance. Would you bow your heads with me? Hey, maybe you're here today and you're, you, that's, you know what? That's all you needed. You just needed reassurance. You needed to know that, man, you're on the right track, you're doing the right things, that you're working on this relationship with God, you're loving God, you're loving others, you're in the word. Man, praise God. That's awesome. Maybe today you needed a reminder that Jesus is enough. That you need just to remain in him, that there's no Jesus and. Maybe you're here this morning, you, you kind of just wandered in. You're, maybe, you're not even sure why you're here, not even sure what you're doing here. You have a lot of questions, some deep questions. Isaac is here to my right. He's right up here at the front corner of the stage. Left, your left, my right. Listen, come ask Isaac those questions. You have some tough questions. 
He won't know the answers to all of them, but he'll help you. Come talk to him. And, and then on both sides of the stage are people who would just absolutely love a chance to pray with you. Man, if you have anything, it could be some, maybe you just want to be prayed over. They would love to do that with you. And lastly, there's communion all around this room, wherever you see a, ta- uh, a lamp on a table. Guys, we do communion a little differently here. If you are a follower of Christ, you can take communion here. Please, please don't miss this opportunity. There's something great about the grace of God dispensed to us when we take communion. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, then I would ask that you not do that because you eat and drink judgment on yourself. But listen, you can take it at the table. You can take it with your group of friends or a spouse, or you can bring it back to your seat and take it in community with us and sing before we leave. It doesn't matter. There is freedom in this place, okay? Father in heaven, we love you. We're so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful, oh God, for your word. Father, you made this so simple and we complicate it and we run after things we shouldn't run after and Sometimes we're confused and sometimes we're deceived. And oh God, we pray that we would fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Would you help us this morning to not focus our eyes on what is temporary, but to run after you, Jesus, so that we can be assured, we can know that we know that we know You remain in us as we remain in you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys so much.